It is the Chicagoverse Unlimited podcast, featuring interviews with the premier artists and industry in the Chicago music community. My name is Haima Black. I host this podcast at DynastyPodcast.com. This week, Jesse Valenciana and John Carruthers of Manbecue. Here's how that sounds. Haima Black for Dynasty Podcast, and I am here with Jesse Valenciana and John Carruthers from Manbecue. Long overdue getting them on Dynasty Podcast. How are you gentlemen doing tonight? Fantastic. I'm no longer hungry. That's good. I'm full. I've got a beard and an old style. Uh, good night. Yeah, man. We all just totally chowed down here at uh, Three Aces. We got a bunch of good food, and we've been talking about food. We've been eating food. We've been looking at this cookbook full of food. Uh, you know, we're here to talk about the new Manbecue cookbook. Manbecue Meat, Beer, Rock and Roll, 120 Essential Recipes for the Modern Man. First of all, man, when did this book come out? I know it's like only a couple weeks old now, right? April 22nd. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's only been a couple weeks. What's the response been like to having this cookbook out that you guys produced and presented and, and put out into the world that you birthed? It's been great. Uh, we're on our third pressing. Yeah, the third printing. I mean, we went from being just two regular guys uh, to Publishers Weekly asked us, hey, what beer would you bring to a summer barbecue? Like, you know, we're, we're in these big publications. People say, hey, you're the Mavicue guys. And we're like, no, we're just regular guys, but I guess you could buy our book. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather they buy me a beer and then buy my book. But that's fine. Well, well, let's give people some background about what Mamikyu is, because I know that you cover it a bit in the book. You've got a whole introductory section at the start of the cookbook, but not everybody knows. So let's kind of bring people up to speed. Mamikyu, what is it? How did it start? Kind of like, how does it exist now? And, and what's the purpose? So Mamikyu, we were, a, we still are. We're a grilling club, you know, an urban grilling club. And it was, I say it was born out of necessity. Everybody was kind of growing up, moving on with their lives, and that meant leaving Chicago. You know, there was a big divide that was growing, and it was our way to... all day. Yeah. And it was a way to get together once a month to joke around and be yourself, and we added grilling and, and drinking beer and listening to music. And, you know, seven years ago when we started, it was frozen burger patties, bad hot dogs, and cheap beer, and now we've, we've taken it up a, a few notches. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it used to be that it was your hungover buddy, his warm six-pack of MGD, and, you know, whatever he could burn on the grill. I mean, now we've still got our hungover buddies coming, but some of our hungover buddies are, are chefs at restaurants around the city or they're fantastic home cooks, and, you know, there's space for everybody, whether you know how to cook or not. You can come to Mambecue, you can find something, whether it's the music, uh, meeting new people, drinking some beer. Uh, you can find something for you, no matter what your, your strength is. And that, that's a great thing, too. You know, like a lot of guys who have never come out to a Mambecue event, they're almost intimidated, you know, because they, they're not the best cooks. Or because of the blood cult aspects. Yeah, well, we don't talk about that. That's not, that's not Sacrifices are intimidating initially. <laughs> but once you get into it, you learn the chance. You know how to separate Pan from Dagon in the Pantheon. It's all good. And those cloaks aren't cheap either. Well, guys, but are you good for dessert or anything this evening? I think we're good. I think we're good for right now. You called it. You doing okay? I'm good right now. He hates us. He's just like, oh, I'm going to wait for the perfect moment to ruin their flow. God damn him. I got to do my Pagan Gods thing. It sounded, <laughs> it sounded good. pretty it's good. good. Uh, but no, you know, the, the cool thing is, like, our growth has been... We were the ones looking out for having people give us feedback as far as food, and, and now people are coming to us, asking us for feedback on their food, which is pretty freaking awesome, you know? 
That's bizarre. When you're judging, I mean, when it's me and Jesse judging the food of someone who's worked at Longman and Eagle or has worked at Moto, it's like, do we really have the qualifications <laughs> to do this? But you know what? You don't really get to where we are by not having a, a shitload of hubris. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, we, we were just talking about this earlier, how people have tried to call us, label us chefs, and we're not chefs. You know, I, mean, I think we just have, yeah, the, the balls to say, we know good food, you know? Well, we were kind of talking before the mic was on about how we're living in an era of, like, you know, 20 years ago, let's say, if you wanted to be a music critic, you had to get picked up by the Trib or the Sun-Times. Yeah. You had to have credentials. You had to go to journalism school. You had to do these things. Now we live in this age, and it's pretty great, where, like, you can go do an online radio show for nine years and be like, we're a podcast. It's a thing. You can become experts in the, in the grilling and, and culinary fields and be mammocute. You can go do what you want to do now and you don't have to get permission from the gatekeepers. You don't have to get a job at like, you know, a Let Us Entertain You restaurant, you know, a major market radio station. You can go do it yourself. How much has that fueled kind of the whole mammocute operation, just being able to not have to wait for permission and just go put this out into the world and create it? Well, and that, that's the thing. It's, it's a very DIY, not to sound cliche, time in our lives. And with Mambicue, that's how it was. I mean, we used to get made fun of. People were like, what's Mambicue? Oh, that sounds gay because women aren't allowed. That sounds this. That sounds that. But we didn't give a shit. We just kept going after it. And we wanted it, we wanted it to grow. We wanted it to get bigger and, and better. And here we are. You know, we, we've got a book to show for it. But it was, you know, us going out there and not, you know, feeling confined or constrained within, Sorry. now I sound like a teenager, but like society's norms, you know, like, we went out there, we wanted to do, <laughs> be home by seven, but we didn't want to just kind of conform to that, you know, like, we wanted to go out there and do our thing, and we really believed in Mambicue, like, when John, John and I became friends through phone conversations, he had a radio show, and he was interviewing me, and I was always like, oh, you got to come out to an event when I'm in town, and when you're in town, and that's how it all started, and it's like... He saw that we had something. I, I, was, I was the original second wave man cure, which unlike the second wave ska bands, were not universally hated five years later. But, you know, I mean, you, you mentioned that, you know, you can, you can use this equalizer of crowdsourcing and the internet and getting your message out there. But I think it's also a bit of a responsibility because whereas Mission Chinese food grew out of word of mouth and, and community engagement, and, you know, whereas we hope to grow out of word of mouth, community engagement, and social engagement, you know, there's also a million assholes out there who are just happy to, you know, try to cash in for a few hundred bucks in online advertising or who are content to cash in on someone else's recipe slightly changed to drive hits to their SEO kind of site. Right. I mean, it's not, when you do this and, and, you're not, and you're not anyone with the credentials and you say, I think I have expertise, I think I have something to offer in this area, you also have to back it up. You have to do all your research. You have to have, a, I mean, in our case, 50 super dog-eared copies of different cookbooks and a bunch of burns on your knuckles to at least understand that I've, I've gone through the paces, whereas it's not because I'm paying 500 a month to pay back my Kendall loan. I mean, we still have spent a lot of time, you know, interacting with people, researching food, cooking things, you know, and, and so there's a different sort of responsibility to meet than there was in the past, but you still have to meet one. You don't just get to be famous because you want to be, and I feel like a lot of people think that they can because they want to. It's really interesting you're talking about, like, everything you're saying. I was at a kind of seminar, workshop, class session at uh, SAE. It's a media college in Chicago. It was being taught by Martin Adkins, you know, renowned, just complete 
punk legend and, and educator. Absolutely. So Martin Atkins, total badass. And he had two um, younger video directors and film producers in Chicago teaching a video course. Um, Elijah Alvarado and Austin Vesely, who we've had on this podcast before. And Austin Vesely was bringing up a great point. I was talking to him about, I have no video experience. And I said, you know, how much can I just go and teach myself on the fly now? And he said, you can do that, but it always helps to have a knowledge of the rules, of how things are supposed to work, of all of the fundamentals. Because in order to properly break the rules, not in a way where you're like, oh, I fucked up. I didn't know that I was breaking the rule. But to make a, a conscious decision to break the rules in a way that services your product, you have to know what the rules are first. And I think that that really ties into a lot of what you guys are doing. You had to know what the rules were. You had to know how to do this to go out and make your own version of it that was completely different, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's tempting because some people see ManBQ as part of their Facebook feed, and then they see us on TV on Windy City Live, or they see our book, or they see whatever else we have going on. What they don't see is the years it took to, you know, really perfect a product. Like, I mean, I, I, it's true that I taught myself to cook, but I also spent some time taking cooking classes. Like, there are certain things you don't know until you have some expert instruction and you feel it. I mean, but even then, even if you're a complete autodidact and you're lucky enough to be able to do that, you've got to fail 500 times. I mean, this book doesn't show the 14, uh, the 14 different buffalo sauces we made that were chalky or too spicy or too celery salty before we made the one that we really liked that was perfect. It didn't show the steaks we burned before timing a perfect steak. It didn't show all the burgers, all the burgers I'd like to stress to your listeners, <laughs> over the years that sucked and that were terrible or that were only like one or two really frustrating steps off from perfection. Right. So but we're, you know, we're still learning. That's, that's the beauty of, of this. Now more than ever, people are ready to question you because we have its book, so people now... It's an equalizer. The, the, whole, the whole media environment now, is yeah. it, it equalizes consumers and producers. Right. But it's, it, and so again, we're constantly learning. We're not by any means telling people that we're experts. We may be experts in, in our field, but we're still learning. I think when you decide that you're the best at whatever you do, you're uh, done. Just sudden death. Yeah. Sudden death. That's, the second you got nothing left to learn and you're done and you've arrived and no one can teach you anything, it's like, have fun, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and, I believe that's why Tom Waits is continually a genius and why Mick Jagger recorded Got Us in the Doorway. <laughs> I, you know, I get these emails once in a while where people are like, yeah, hey, I would like to, you should do this cook-off or you should do competition barbecue and it's just not my thing. And then people go, oh, you're Mr. Man because you don't do this. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of th- a lot of things that I don't do. I just, I'm not a competition barbecue guy. It's, it's not my thing, you know. But again, I never said at any point that I was the expert barbecue guy. Right. You know, and people are now with this, they're they're coming, and they're like, they want you to be, they, they want you to feel like you said you were an expert. And no, like we're just teaching people stuff that that we've learned, that we've perfected ourselves throughout the years and it's this constant evolution yeah. so after this book we're learning more stuff to write another book and then after that book you know you just keep it keep going. learning keep learning yeah. the only the only thing we'll cop we'll, we'll cop to two things we'll cop to being lucky and we'll cop to doing the work and taking opportunities where we can we'll never cop to saying we were the best at anything yeah. or that there's never any better way you can do it yeah. I mean I love this book it's a fantastic book Jesse we loves hustled, it too we, we did a lot of work on it but we're also not going to say I mean if someone comes up and says 
I put one step in this, and my burger's five times as good. Hey, shit, we'll include it in the next edition. Yeah, yeah. good. And, and that's the thing. It's This is like a community project. We want people to come and, and say, hey, I really like this recipe, because it's how we were. You know, like when we get recipe books or what we were saying before, when you eat at a place, you're like, this is delicious. I want to make my iteration of this. Yeah, you'll notice a lot of names that aren't ours in the books before recipes. And it's where we tasted edition. We said, you're doing some great work here. I think that you're doing better than, than we would be doing from your point if we just decided to try to copy what you're doing. Yeah. You know, will you share the recipe? Will you collaborate with us? We'll give you credit. You know, this is your recipe. And, uh, you know, let's go forward from there. I, it wasn't us try, tasting something and saying, oh, we can do better. Let's do it better for everything. Yeah. It was including the people that we, we talked to, that we collaborate with. I mean, Mamacue's never been about the two of us. Uh, it, we couldn't fit, you know, 1,500 names over five years on this cover, but, you know, it, it's sort of representative of that. Every experience, every dish we've had is in there. Yeah. You know what's interesting about everything you're saying and about the cookbook and about how Mamacue operates is you guys were crowdsourcing before crowdsourcing was a buzzword. You guys were holding these meetings, you were having people come in, bring their own recipes, bring their own experimentation, collaborate with you guys. You were making this a, you you were never in like an ivory tower, it was never the two or four of you guys being like, no, we're not going to listen to your recipes, we're Mamacue, we've got, you guys were always getting a community involvement aspect going on, even before that was very trendy, and now you've got all these chapters, and I mean, how important is the crowdsource, you know, and now there's a buzzy word for it, you know, there's a, there's a fast company type word for it, but how important has that been to the growth and, and ethos of Mambicu? Well, it's, you know, the thing that we did was we built a platform for these recipes to show up, and, you know, at our event still, we make it so it's not intimidating to come out to an event, and... It doesn't cost you anything. Doesn't It's free. It's a, it's a very, it's almost like a, a networking event without that shitty name tag, and that, like, very stiff... Kind of like, all right, you've got five seconds to sell me. The Heineken wrapped in a napkin. We, yeah. we, uh, we outlaw that, too. <laughs> the sweaty Heineken. No, but, I mean, if we knew there was a buzzword for it, we probably never would have done it. I mean, we I are... Think you guys were doing it before well, right. before we, that arrived, yeah. We're in the unique class of people who uh, were just ass-lucky to stumble upon the right... I mean, we made plenty of mistakes, but bringing people together like this was one of the right things that we did from the start, and it's something that continues to drive the growth. It's something that we still think is really super cool. I mean... At the end of the day, take the book away, take everything away. We still have these meetings once a month, and we're still doing the same thing that we started doing seven years ago. The food's better, the beer is better, we've got better selection. But again, it goes back down to that primal grilling, you know, attitude that we took on. We're we're, we're the most inclusive, exclusive organization <laughs> out there. Yeah. You know, like we we want people to come out and not feel intimidated. Like, come out and be yourself. Yeah. You're, you're meeting new friends. Some recipes fail miserably, but we will never tell you you suck. I will tell you that you needed more salt, maybe less soy sauce, maybe this or that. And it's we'll completely never tell you it sucks. And sometimes they have sucked. There's been really terrible recipes, but it's like, hey, you know, all you have to do is either not overcook it or do this. There's always room for improvement, and with us too. If someone cares enough to cook, then they care enough to uh, you know try to improve the next time. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, even as far as the crowdsourcing, to get back to that, I mean, you look at the diversity of the crowd, the kind of people. Like, I have friends, Jesse has friends, 
I, everyone in Mamagui was friends that they never would have met otherwise in the city. I mean, this is a big city with a lot of different sort of social pipelines. Your listeners can't see this, but uh, Jesse, with his t- t- uh, two tattoo arm sleeves and his brewery t-shirt, is sitting next to me, fresh off my financial job downtown, <laughs> looking like God's own yuppie. Like, this is the kind of group... This is a buddy comedy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> this is... Man Let's start B- a girly club. <laughs> Manbique is 64 simultaneous buddy comedies every single meeting. I mean, and, and it's this controlled chaos. It's like you just threw a bunch of things into a hopper, and, you know, you, you threw all these Chicago note cards into a... Uh, it, like, you're trying to write a bad novel about Chicago. Take all your stereotypes, throw them in a dryer, and pick out ten cards, and, like, that's what it's going to be like. No one has any pretension. No one thinks, like, oh, I don't, I don't want to talk to that guy. He's not the kind of friend I have. Like, they got lawyers and doctors and unemployed guys and bar people and, and God's own and, and this guy's overseeing it all. The, the, the cool thing is, like, when you get these out-of-towners that come in and, you know, like, their friends, like, you got to come out to Mambecue. These guys just moved in from Michigan or wherever the fuck, Ohio, and they come to Mambecue and they're like, oh, my God, is, like, all of Chicago like this? And it's unfortunately not, but, like, for that moment in time, they're like, holy shit, because, like John said, there's so many walks of life that come through Mambecue. You know, like, there's seriously times where you're sitting there, here's a lawyer giving advice to a guy that's unemployed while they're talking to another guy that's, you know, in med school. You know, it's just ridiculous how many different personalities and walks of life are all that, that make part of Mambecue. It's all part of the landscape. And the good part is we don't think about it like that. It's not like, oh, we're, we're building bridges and creating nations here. Right. It's just like we use it as sort of a, a validation of our concept. It's like, you know, clearly we don't do demographic marketing. These, these tweets, these articles are what Jesse and I can do and send out when we're not at our actual jobs, you know? It's like this is, this is sort of a patchwork social network, and, and the reason we think it does really well is because Every kind of person uh, wants to take part at one point or another. Well, it's, and that's, a, that's the thing that we always, it's not something we push. And again, we, we don't have this marketing, professional marketing force behind it. John Scholl is another one of the head guys of Mambecue. Like, like what John said, when he tweets out, it's, he's not, you know, targeting certain things. He's putting out what, like the collective voice of Mambecue out there, like in a tweet or in a Facebook post or in an Instagram picture. But that's You'll the thing. It's like a refreshing lack of hashtags compared to other food brands on yeah. the internet. Because again, it's it's authentic. This is us. We're not trying to sell anything because I wish we were selling something because maybe we can make some money. But we're not we're selling, selling. We're selling a book, Jesse. Oh, sorry. It's twenty dollars. Uh, Buy our John. book. <laughs> I'm old enough to get that reference. <laughs> you can find it at Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Uh, what if I can't go to Barnes and Noble? I'm just going to Costco this weekend. Can I get it there? Uh, I, I think there's a creepy guy in a 312 shirt selling them outside. I can vouch, man. I, I was at Costco, and I looked down, and I was like, holy shit, that is awesome. Right there, among all the young adult novels. <laughs> I, I, I want to stress that it, as happy as we are with the book and as much work we say we put it on it, it's still, like, unbelievable when someone's like, this book is at a store I'm at. I'm like, bullshit. Show me a picture. It's like we wrote, we wrote the Hardy Boys or something. Yeah, my, my wife Emily was in Calgary, and she's like, look, this is at a place called Passages or Chapters or something. I'm I like, think I they went there s- for rehab. I'm like, I think that, like, there's, I'm like, that's why they put the Canadian price on there, because they sell this in Canada. <laughs> so, you know, the book is out now. It is full of, of recipes, and there's all sorts of stuff in here. I mean, it's really, you know, obviously meat-centric, 
grilled gyros, grilled gyros, grilled gyros, um, <laughs> pink tongue Reuben, or pork tongue Reuben, there's really low light in here, uh, bacon, fat, flour, tortillas, I mean, it goes on and on, whole hog tacos, how many, like, how do you choose what recipes, because I know you've got more recipes than this, how do you choose what recipes make the book, you know, is it a series of, like, greatest hits, is it, like, personal favorites, kind of, how does this come together? Like, originally, we were at John's house, we had talked about the book, and we're like, all right, let's put all the recipes on note cards. And we, we put them out on John's table, and we're really like, That's when we realized Holy. we had a book, because we're yeah. like, we, we, know, we know how to cook, like, ten things. Yeah. And we put them out, and we're like, wow, it this covered is... covered his whole table, yeah. and we're like, holy shit, we've got more than five recipes. <laughs> and that's, that's how we do everything now, is we like to get together and just list off the things we like to eat and the things we like to cook. You know, it's surprising. I think that, I mean, any of your listeners, anyone who cooks for themselves, like, list out. Try to write yourself a menu of the things you know. You'd like, be you'd be surprised. People things. underestimate their own ability sometimes. Yeah, I think we, we totally did. <laughs> but, yeah, we, we um, you know, as much as I'd like to say that, you know, we had some sort of market research behind it or anything, like, we really just try to say, like, is it delicious? And our, and our publisher, Running Press, God bless them, they didn't say no, they didn't budge a peep to anything we wanted in there. So, you know, we've got classic burgers and steaks. I'm sure that was right up their pipeline. Uh, elsewhere in the book, we've got, like you mentioned, the pig tongue Reuben. We had a lot of extra corn pig's tongues, and we made a dish out of it. You've got peanut butter, a recipe for peanut butter in this, which blows my mind. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's like someone that, so, something that someone might not have thought, like, I can make this, and it's delicious. And I think the biggest transgression against our publisher, God, man, and the reader is one of the most delicious things in there. Right in the beginning of the book, before we even get to the grill, just food to enjoy with your beer, we've got something in there called Blutzugenwurst. And it's it's Whoa. it's an Argentinian morcilla sausage made like a traditional German cured sausage. And it's it's pig tongues and beef blood, and it is rich and fatty and funky and bloody, and it's amazing. And you know what? They let us put that in there just as easily as they let us put in, like, you know, our knockoff of just, a, you know, your local easy griddle burger with a burger sauce. Yeah. You even have, so that nobody thinks that the book is too, like, hoity-toity, you have a fast food burger. Yep. Like, you specifically design a burger that is as much the idea of any fast food burger as you can get, just so that nobody thinks that it's all, like, you know, overseas, foreign, bird, egg, burgers, and, like, I mean, it's really running the whole gauntlet here. Well, it's really attainable food. It's, the other John always talks about how Mambecue, we all have a different elevator uh, pitch, which is hilarious, but John's always like, oh, Mambecue takes the, uh, the white cloth element out of fine dining, and we've always said, we don't want that pretension behind our recipes. We're pretty much showing, we've, we've got a bone marrow recipe. It's, you go to a lot of restaurants in Chicago, that's a $35 dish right there. How much did it cost us to make it the other day for like, I mean, I, I think <laughs> 10 bucks for all the ingredients yeah. combined. So, and, and that's the thing, it's, we're trying to show people, we have some, I mean, kind of traditional recipes in there, but with our own spin on it. You know, if you really wanted just traditional recipes, there's other books that are very by the, by the book. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, buy our book. Buy uh, my book. But our stuff is, again, it's we're really inserting our, our personality, but we're still explaining where all this stuff comes from. It all has a story. You didn't wake up one day and think of doing this pork belly pastrami. No, it's, it's, it's something learned. You had something... You guys doing okay right now? Yeah. So there's a lot of recipes in there where, again, if you don't wake up 
knowing how to come up with this. You don't know if it's going to taste good, so you try it because you tried something similar to it. And like what we were saying, how would this taste with this seasoning or this ingredient? And you try it, and you fail a few times, but then eventually, like, you figure it out, and, and you get what you want. Yeah, and I think most people feel like they can't do food writing or recipe development because they're like, how do you invent a new dish? And it's like, well, I got news for you. You're not Grant Atkins. You're not Fernand Adria. Like, Fernand, anyway. You're not, you're not uh, the Bork Bork chef from Noma. Like, you are not ever going to invent anything in your life that's brand new. We are not going to invent anything in our lives that's brand new. Like, enjoy the flavors and work with them and rearrange them. All you're doing is playing delicious, delicious Jenga with the entirety of food history. It's supposed to be fun. You start to intimidate yourself and think, I have to have the original this, I have to have the original that. It's terrible. I mean, now, we'd never copy a recipe off anybody. We'd never just take it wholesale. Uh, the closest instances to that are like the, the nacho cheese sauce in our book, and wherever it comes from, we acknowledge the source. But, you know, if this is just, uh, it's just us. It's stacking different flavors and different preparations. I mean, it's all what passes through our subconscious and, and how we stacked it back up on the plate. Yeah. And I think that people would be a lot more cool about trying new things, trying to invent new things, if they realized that, no, they're not going to be original, because there are about seven people in the world that can be original. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the book is out now. It's on shelves, in stores, across multiple countries, and people can also get it online. What does this kind of open up for you guys now that the book is actually out? What kind of doors are open because now you're not just Mambecue with chapter meetings in Chicago and other cities and the online presence, but now I think it validates it in a, in a way where when people have like a physical item, there are old school people who once they see that you actually have a book, it's not just an internet thing anymore. Now it's a real thing. So kind of what does this open up for you now that you have the book to put out in the world and, and go with, you know, behind you? I mean, I, I, I guess it adds another level of legitimacy, but if you really look at our body of work, we've been doing body of work. <laughs> it's I mean, already started. He's an author now. <laughs> if you look at what we've done, you know... Look at my process. <laughs> are we done here? Are we done, people? Come on. But no, really, really like, we, we've been working at this for so long. You know, it's this is just another part, another chapter in the lifeline that is Mambicu. So you hope it brings more people in. Yeah. But, you know, I also hope it does legitimize the fact that... You don't necessarily have to make $10 an hour for 10 years at one of the city's fine dining establishments to know how to cook and like know how to speak in a, in a culinarily relevant way. I think you know some of your Yelp people, some of your hobbyist uh, food foodies, I really do hate that word, but I think it kind of gives a bad word, but I, don't, I, I think that there are a lot of home cooks. You know, they got to make a living, they got their own thing. But, like, they're really good at cooking. I don't think they get the recognition they deserve. I think we try to bring the home cook who's not your unbearable Yelp douchebag, but who's also not the guy who can sacrifice his time and family life to a line job, you know, and say, like, these guys have a, have a culinary viewpoint. They, they got things they like. They can cook, you know. It's, it's a bit of a, a gap-bridging kind of thing between greater foodie culture and proper restaurant culture, I think. No, I agree. And, you know, again... One of the things that we want to do, too, is like we're, we're paying homage to some of our favorite cooks and chefs in Chicago and giving people credit where credit's due. Like, even with like our, our website, one angle we always took was we're never going to slam anybody publicly. We know how much work it takes. Even if you have the worst 
quote unquote worst restaurant in Chicago. It took you a long time, a lot of money, and work. Just opening is a certain level of accomplishment. Yeah, exactly. I feel like that's why a lot of restaurateurs, uh, a lot of chefs, have a really bad view of the internet. And I can't blame them, even though we're primarily driven by the internet, because a lot of people try to take the easy route and make their bones by putting up something. I mean, it's a lot funnier, it's a lot more amusing to write and read hilarious bad criticism, like the nine, the 19 worst, most overrated shitholes in Chicago. I mean, it's a lot harder to build your build your it's following. A lot, it's a lot easier to write that list than it is to go out and actually make something that exists in the world. Right. Or, exactly. or, or to even tell people that to their face. I mean, oh, yeah. if, I, if I didn't like something, if I if I didn't uh, think it was good, I, I would at least have the, you know, the temerity to tell it to somebody. But what we try to do is highlight the great. I mean, there's enough people, there are enough people who are disagreeable on the internet. We don't need to be It's called Yelp. It's yeah. called Yelp and Twitter. And, I, you know, like, and the, the book is essentially like the opposite of Yelp, you know? Yeah. It's like instead of us sitting there slamming a restaurant because the waiter smirked at you wrong. You know, we're there and just giving recipes and, and our story behind these recipes. Instead of being negative about someone else and not doing anything that's going to get anywhere, we're doing something for ourselves because somebody else inspired us, whether it's a bad restaurant or a great recipe. Like, it's still inspiration for us to come up with our recipes. Yeah, there's a main binary between people who get interested in food, like hardcore, you know, to where, they're, where they're, they want to read about it in their spare time. They want to think about it all the time. And some people, they learn enough to want to try to assert that authority and belittle other people. It happens with music people. It happens with film critic people. Oh, my gosh, dude. I always say every year when they announce the festivals, when the festival lineups for Lollapalooza or, or whatever it is, Riot Fest this year is, Riot Fest this year is incredible. Yeah. And I saw on their Instagram, they were, like, putting up images, you know, in support of the new Riot Fest lineups. And one of them, one of the, like, comments was just something like, Oh, so disappointing. And I always say to these always. people, yeah. my statement, I always, and I put this online, I always say, listen, man, no one's stopping you from making your own festival. All you got to do is go raise the funds and get the licenses and the permits and book 120 bands and get the security and the hospitality and the medical staff and the, you know, and I list all the things and I'm like, but no one's stopping you from do that if you can do it better. Yeah. Yes. No one no wants to do the work. They just want to complain about other people who are doing it. Yeah, and, and, and I, you know, I think part of why we're so hopeful is because we built a base that's not that. So like I said, there's a binary, you know, they want to they grow up, you know, and get a, a knowledge base to a point and then use it as a bludgeon against things they don't think are right. And then there's another half, you know? I, I, and I, I swear to God, I think it's half, just because, I mean, maybe it's just Chicago thing, but half those people, they want to get the food expertise or, you know, music, film, whatever. But in our case, they want to get the food expertise and they want to use it to, to build, to create, to interact with other people, to, to do something like joyful. And that's the, that's the half of Chicago that, that we see every month. That's the half of Chicago that, that comes out to our events and joins us and, and helps us become better cooks, better people, a better brand. And, and that's the reason why we have a book, not because we decided that we liked one burger a whole lot less than the mean. You know what you literally just described? It's fucking Peter Parker, man. You literally just described with great power comes great responsibility. That is literally the soul of what you just said. Well, I mean, there's a reason that... Which that is a great way to live your life. There's a reason that once all us 90s kids grew up, uh, Spider-Man became the most popular character, and Image Comics almost went into bankruptcy. No one wants the cooking spawn. They want the cooking <laughs> Spider-Man. Oh, jeez. Yeah. That, that goes over my head. I was never a comic book guy. 
The book is out now. How can people find out more about Man BQ, connect with you guys, maybe like become part of a chapter or come to an event or maybe bring their own recipe that they have been in love with for five years that they would love to share with other like-minded, you know, creative, you know, passionate people in Chicago or wherever? I mean, first thing, go to the website, manbq.com. Uh, we're very active on, on social media. Instagram, we're at Mambicue. Uh, Facebook, we're at Mambicue. yeah, we're, so we're, look up Mambicue, you'll find us, and everybody's always welcome to come out. Like I said, we want as many different people to come out to Mambicue and experience Mambicue and, and judge for themselves, you know, and I sound like a car salesman. Here. No, 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 you, <laughs> you, you listener, you listening right now in your stupid Toyota Prius, if you like food and this sounds interesting to you... Get us at, at MamBQ on Twitter or Instagram. Send, a, send an email to info at MamBQ. You can come. There's literally nothing holding you back. There's nothing that you have to do except bring a little bit to throw on the grill and bring a beer. No money, no anything. Me and Jesse will greet you personally. Come out to Manbecue. Get out of your stupid Prius. And let them know Dynasty Podcast sent you. Absolutely, man. Uh, the book is called Manbecue, Meat, Beer, Rock and Roll, 120 Essential Recipes for the Modern Man. I would imagine if you just Google Manbecue Amazon, the book's going to be the first result, man. This is awesome. Jesse and John, thank you guys so much for taking the time to really just dish. I, I, we could do this all day, I feel like, but this is great, man. We're definitely going to make this happen again. Not the last Man BQ interview we're going to do on Dynasty Podcast, man. And really, congrats on the growth, the book, the community, everything you guys have accomplished, man. It's really great to see. Thank you, man. Honestly, I really appreciate this. I love what you're doing. I love that we're finally doing this. That we've talked about for, for freaking ever. So this is great, man. I'm just happy that John and I can represent Chicago the way I think we're doing, you know, and, and, and yeah, we're just going to, what's the line in, in Boogie Nights? I'm just going to keep on rocking when he wins the porno award. Didn't it, most of those people die or have serious drug problems? Well, I mean, that's, come on, John. Is the glass half full? All right, well, if you want to talk to Porno Jesse, he's at Jesse Manbecue on Twitter. You want to talk to me, I'm at UT Chicago on Twitter. Hit us up at Manbecue. We will be happy to talk to you. Thank you for having us on. This has been the Chicagoverse Unlimited Podcast. Thanks to Jesse Valenciana and John Carruthers from Manbecue for being on the show this week. You can find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the Dynamic Dynasty, my name is Jaima Black, Dynasty Descend.